to the Relentless CEO Podcast with Adam Kiefer. Follow your path to success alongside icons and industry leaders in martial arts, fitness, and more. This is the Relentless CEO Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Relentless CEO Podcast. I am Adam Kiefer and I'm your host and we have a very special episode today with my good friend Jeff Sherman. Uh, I know Jeff from one of the masterminds that we've been in together for years. I have worked with him in some different capacities and he is one of the best known fitness marketers. Uh, He also has uh, a ton of technical knowledge when it comes to creating new softwares and and new tools that can be used to enhance marketing and enhance sales. And I was fortunate enough to be a guest on his podcast. Uh, and in this episode, we talk a lot about franchising. Uh, we talk a little bit about my time uh, at the previous franchise I worked at. We talk about what's going to be happening with Move Martial Arts and sort of the concept behind that. And I also share one of the best marketing campaigns that I've run for a fitness studio uh, over the entire year. And it's a pretty outside the box idea, but uh, it was pretty powerful as well. So I'm looking forward to you jumping into this episode. Take some notes, get ready. You're going to love it. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Process. I have a good friend of mine I've known for at least 10 years, Adam Kiefer. He's in the martial arts space as a marketing agency, one of the smartest strategists uh, online that I know. And uh, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. Thank you, man. Thank you for the kind words. Happy to be here. I feel like we know awesome. each other forever. Yeah, I know, right? So uh, before we like, get talking about you know the marketing stuff, and uh, I definitely want to get into some of the franchising stuff that, that you're doing, just uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you, know, you started in martial arts, and, and how you got into the, the marketing side of things. Yeah, um, good question. So my parents owned a martial arts school when I was a kid, so I pretty much lived in the, the school growing up. Like I, My entire existence every day was in that martial arts school, so what else is there to do besides train when you're a kid living in a martial arts school? Um, and then uh, as my dad got older, I, I started to manage his school, um, partnered with my brother in a school for a little bit. And then uh, from there, just getting to understand the business and sort of like the membership business side of things, uh, I got connected with uh, uh, I Love Kickboxing at the time. Uh, and they offered me uh, a position on their marketing team and then ended up pretty much running their entire marketing department or creating the marketing department, I should say. Um, and uh from there i just fell in love with marketing and uh it was it was sort of a no-brainer to go and do my own thing in the marketing realm so having a martial arts background uh experience managing ads for like a few hundred franchisees i was like all right well let's start an agency uh so we started the agency and then around the same time uh at opportunity in arizona there was a failing martial arts school uh that was a client of mine a coaching client and they're like hey we need help. And I was looking for a, a change of pace from New York anyway. Um, and it just worked out that I moved to Arizona, take over the school, start the agency, and then everything just sort of took off from there. Nice. Yeah. So um, I had a friend that was a strength coach and his kids pretty much grew up in a weight room and it's kind of the same thing. It's like it's pretty much in your DNA. If anybody knows more about, you know, running a martial arts business, you know, it's gotta be you. Like, you know, you got a lifetime of, of, of uh, experience. Um, what martial arts did, did you train and are you still currently training or competing? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I started uh, as a kid, I did Hapkido, which is like joint locks and pressure points. Then uh, Tang Sudo, which is very similar to Taekwondo, just like a lot of forms and kicking and punching. Uh, grew up doing that. And then as I got older, I realized like 90% of that shit would never work. 
Um, and I was like, well, I want, I want something more practical. So started getting jujitsu at the time. And then, uh, I fell in love with Muay Thai. That was like, I don't know why I love hitting shit and punching shit. So that was my thing. And then, uh, just actually at age 37, did my first like full contact fight in Muay Thai, uh, which was a, a scary experience going into it, but I had a blast. Like it was, it, there's something about someone giving you permission to punch them in the face that, uh, is just enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, man. I saw, I saw on uh, Instagram, it looked like it was a pretty good success. Yeah. I surprisingly got knocked out of the night, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting to get, which was cool. Um, yeah. Leg kicks are fucking awesome. <laughs> nice. Now you have some street cred for, uh, for your students. Yes. <laughs> you can walk awesome. around with like a, a plaque with an image of the fight on it. Just point it out. So, in, uh, you know, we do similar, similar type of business models, you know, like group training or whatnot. And, um, what do you, what's, what are you finding that's working well for, for your gyms right now? Um, right now it's, it's, it's funny, like our whole industry, if you look at every other agency in the martial arts space, like they're all copycats of each other. They all run like the same type of ad, same type of offer. And as soon as one person pivots, then like everyone else follows wherever, wherever the pivot went, regardless if it actually brings results or not, they just, they just go with the pivot. So for us, it's like finding ways to, to stand out, especially with the offers that we're doing. Um, like for, for kids, martial arts, we're doing a pay your grade special for back to school. So it's like you're in third grade, you pay three bucks for the trial type of thing. And that yeah. thing is freaking killing it right now. Um, and it, we're, we're just always just trying to sort of think outside of the box when it comes to the, the offers that we're doing. And then on the, the lead nurturing part too, because I think that gets forgetting about uh, a lot about on the marketing side, um, just having an automated, but also like having like some customization in there. Like we, we use stuff like nifty images to customize like the images. So that way they get a picture of like the manager holding the whiteboard and it's like super excited to meet so-and-so for their first class. And it gets automatically customized every time. Um, and just the little things like that really helps us not only just to stand out against other agencies, but like helps our clients to really stand out because we'll have we have people that own marketing agencies that'll show up to take their kid for their first class. And they're like, who the hell is doing your marketing? Like they're, they're like, it's so damn good. So it's, it's cool to hear some of the feedback like that, besides just obviously getting them the, the results that they're looking for. So I think the change of offers is super important. And then Google ads is just doing really well in conjunction with Facebook ads for us. Uh, Cause one of the things we started learning uh, from our, our clients is we we're getting a ton of people that would see the ad and then they go Google the place right away they want to see reviews or whatever yep. and what we realized was that the people doing google ads in the area were actually showing up first so now this person saw your ad that they search your name but they get distracted by what's coming up first which is your competition and then they're going uh -huh. to that person's site instead so as soon yeah. as we we flip that so that way they're showing up first now like that that made such a big difference and it, it seems like it should be common sense but it just we were in, now in that you mentioned it, it's, tunnel common, vision. it's common sense <laughs> yes yeah no, 100%. Awesome. and then uh, just short form video content to you is obviously killing it. Obviously it's hard to get local business owners to commit to that because nice. they, they have to be yeah. creative. They have to come up with time. So that's, that's one of our big focuses right now. Nice. All right. I got three things I want to go back and dive a little bit deeper into. First yeah. was the, the, uh, the pay your grade offer. Um, I love it. That's awesome. Awesome offer. Any, any offers like that work really well for us or one that just makes sense. One that we've hardly ever been able to beat some from day one is 21 days, $21. It's a dollar a day. That's, it just makes sense. That's our right? go-to also. Yeah. <laughs> so like pay your grade. Like, oh, I'm in third grade. It's three bucks. Like, yeah, I'm in fourth grade. It's four bucks. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, so crazy. it's like, you know, it just, it just makes sense. There's nothing they can say about it. Right. And plus it's a, it's a steal, but it's also not free. So what are some other offers that, that are creative like that, that you have that have worked? Yeah, that's a good, good question. Our, our typical like evergreen offer is exactly what you just said. 21 days for $21 or 14 days for $14. 
that that works like extremely well a majority of the time um and then when we see that not working that's when we start to get creative with like the the pay your grade type thing um the other thing that's been working well is just simplifying the marketing and not necessarily the, the offer side of it um i think as marketers we overcomplicate marketing sometimes because we try and be so creative with things that it just like becomes this giant complicated project that we're putting together and like uh i was at a mastermind where the uh, creative director of pixar was speaking and uh, he was talking about like monsters inc he, he's like my, my whole rule of thumb is when we come up with this giant marketing campaign goes the the theme needs to fit on a billboard and it needs to be so simple that it's like three or four words and explains the entire project so like the monsters inc billboard was like uh keep keep your eye out or something like that uh and it had a picture of the the green dude from monsters inc <laughs> so we actually started to simplify some of our processes like for martial arts it's like how do you convey all the benefits that kids get from martial arts in as little words as possible and like one of the things we thought of was just like character period driven period like it right. explains everything that needs to about it so just um more so than the offers than anything like just changing up sort of like that simplifying the process of the marketing has been great for us otherwise like we're pretty boring when it comes to offers besides the uh like the pay your grade special or uh the other ones are all simple things that i'm sure everyone knows about like parents or like moms train free for mother's day uh dad's train free for father's day like all, all simple stuff like that uh and then we do like christmas we do like a 12 days of giveaways thing so for everyone that purchases a trial like we go live every day and we give out some sort of gift uh to, the, to anyone um, that purchased what was the one offer you're talking about about six months ago whatever red bottom the shoes one oh that yeah for? so those were a fitness Obviously, client was, that was, that, yeah, that was, was creative as hell <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh there was a bar studio that we were working with um and I had this idea like years ago and it was like one of those things that was like always in my head that we just never like logistically figured out so um this studio is probably 99 female like attendance so we're like well what does every woman want that they don't want to spend their own money on and it's like well obviously something some high-end fashion that like they just see all the all the people they look up to wear so we're like let's do a pair of red bottoms uh so we did this thing called the red bottom challenge it was a um uh i think they did it for six weeks and instead of being fitness focused in the sense of like weight loss body fat we made it an attendance contest um so if they had perfect attendance throughout the entire challenge they got an entry and then if they had like a, a, a at least 30 days in a row like my wife actually went 30 days in a row like nice. to classes which is stupid <laughs> um or they they got like a bonus amount of entries for it um and then they did like this big party at the end and that the key to it was making sure that the shoes were like the focus point so like when you walked in there's like a glass case with the shoes displayed in it and uh then we ended up just giving them a gift card for louboutin but like you need that to like create conversations uh and then the talking ahead video was like boom how would you like a free pair of louboutin shoes so every fucking female is stopping scrolling as soon as they see that and then they learn more about it and it was uh we we did it, I think $297, $297 to join the challenge. So it was very low entry. Um, and then uh the people that were already members of the gym could join it for $197. Um, and they, they probably had like 50, 60 people uh doing the doing the challenge all together. Um and it just popped off. Like next time we're like, we're gonna press release this thing like crazy and, and blow it up even more because uh, there was so much talk about inside the studio and even in the community without doing like any press releases that were like we could probably blow this up 10 times bigger next time that we do it nice so moving moving on to uh, the google thing um it, just, it reminds me of like when i first got started uh, like learning internet marketing i started applying it to my offline businesses back in like 2008 2009 maybe and i was able to push all my com all my competitors off the first page because 
it was easy to do SEO back then. I'll get press yes. releases on the first page. I get my Facebook fan page on the first page, my actual website, my blog, you know, YouTube video or two, and just pushing your competitors off the page because what we were noticing when people, you know, if you're, if you're not up there, you know, um, obviously they're going to get distracted and uh, yes. click on one of your competitors. So um, same thing like on social, even like if you're on Facebook ads, you know, the first thing they're going to do is click on your fan page and see like the last time you posted, if you're relevant, you know, if you haven't posted in six months, like, are, they, are they still open? Yeah. Like, so um, when you said that, like, that just makes perfect sense. Like, you know, if you're not advertising, they're not going to show you at the top of Google places or whatnot, but um, that's definitely, uh, you know, a, a good hack. Tell us a little bit more about like, what, um, what, are, what are you getting a lot of times with the boutique style gyms that, that we help, you know, they're always like afraid to go in for Google ads because their, you know, cost per lead is like, 100x on the Facebook, but mm-hmm. you know, lead or whatever. So instead of paying three or four dollars, might be paying sometimes thirty-five dollars or fifty dollars. Yeah, I think the so the the easy way to sell it for our clients was um, we did a good job tracking how many members actually came from Google compared to Facebook, and it was like at least ten to fifteen percent higher conversion coming off Google because you have people actively searching for your business yeah. instead of you interrupting them. So lead quality was definitely higher, uh, and then we actually got lead pro- lead cost to be very comparable to Facebook on Google. Um, and I, I think part of it was we just really dialed in the keywords. Um, we also use keywords that are like synonymous with their competition in the area. So that way, if, if they're searching for your competitor, you're coming up first. Um, and, and that I think had a, a big thing to do with it. And then, um, we, we have a lot of clients killing it with performance max ads. Like, um, it was, it was weird. We, we launched them for a lot of clients at first, they killed for like four months and then for like four months they did nothing they were terrible and i don't know if google is like recalibrating or figure something out in the background so we stopped running them for a while and then we went back to run them again and they're, and they're killing it again so nice. i don't know the rhyme or reason to why there was like a four month lull but um the, those have been doing really well for us and what kind of budget are your clients having like on google you know per month or whatever per day so it's interesting when, when we first ran it on for the performance max side we we're like 50 dollars a day was what we were told was like the minimum that you needed um and then it was weird. Uh, one of our account managers started scaling one client's ads down and it started performing better. So then we just like sort of ran with $25 a day on Google uh, Performance Max and that seemed to work well. Uh, Google AdWords, like in my experience, doesn't need that much of a budget, honestly. Like it, yeah. like for my, for my own locations, we'll run like two to three grand in Facebook ads. And then if you look at Google, we're like $500 a month on, yeah. on Google ads. What I was told was like, um... You know, like say if you have a thousand dollar budget and I have a five thousand dollar budget, you know, Facebook, Google, whoever, any pay per click, they're going to show mine to the best quality first because they want to spend all of it. They only get paid when people click, right? So I'm going to get tier one, you know, tier one audience until that, until they spend four thousand of mine, it's a thousand and a thousand, then they'll show both of ours, you know, equally, but it's like, it's like what's left. So I can see like when you go to scale, why it converts better. That's why I tell a lot of clients, and it's hard for them to believe. Is like if your ads aren't converting great, but increase your budget. They get you know obviously they're scared to death to do that. But when you kind of explain it to them that way, then you know they'll at least give it a shot. You know, you know, it's like a crazy thing that happens. So um, our landlord of our building is actually our neighbor, also like in the building, and he runs uh, data. He has like all data servers, so he's all data management next door. And uh, he came over one time and he's like, "You guys do Google ads?" I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Can I see them?" So I was like, "Open up one and show him." He's like, uh, "He goes, just you know, he goes, I scaled a, a company." In three months with only Google ads and then sold it for over a million dollars at the end of the three months. And I was like, <laughs> and it was like a lawn care company or something, something like that. And I was like, well, what did you do? And he goes, he goes, I created a software that shows all the times that your competition is running ads. And then your ads just run the opposite. So you get the lowest cost per bid possible. 
at the times they're not running the ads. And he's like, so he goes, I was playing like 20 cents a lead on Google. So he, he, he like sat down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, software? <laughs> so he built it. Like he just, oh, nice. like, like it looks very <laughs> like homemade, <laughs> but it fucking works. And, uh, so he, he shared that with us and we're just like, Holy does, he shit, like does he want to license that? <laughs> it was like Thanos infinity gauntlet. Exactly. Now that that's, that's pretty smart. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, so, that, um, that was helpful. I forgot what the third thing I wanted to go back and go a little bit deeper on, but uh, let's move on to like franchising. That's one thing that I've never really had any interest in touching. Um, I know a lot of, you know, between I love kickboxing to buy boot camp. I know I'm friends and I had been friends with the owners and stuff um, and just know like all the, the struggles and, and uh, obstacles they've had to deal with. And then a friend of mine in, um, in Vegas, he has a, a newer franchise, like a year or two, um, just never looked fun uh, to me. Not having any franchise knowledge is too much regulation, too much that you have to know or you can get in big trouble quick. So just tell me a little bit about your experience in franchising. Um, you've been through, you know, you've seen the best, you've seen the worst, um, and now you've decided to, uh, to franchise. So tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of franchising and why you ultimately decided to go with the franchise. Yeah, it, you know what? If you would have asked me probably four years ago when I was in New York still, I would have been like, I'm never touching a franchise <laughs> ever, like ever. Uh, just because we we saw sort of like everything go downhill with that franchise. Um, uh, I really had no goal of franchising until uh, I, I came out to Arizona. My business partner, Travis, uh, was like an Orange Theory operator. He, he had ownership in 100 locations before he exited um, and was super successful with that. And the the way that he wanted to do a, a franchise, and we weren't even talking martial arts at the time, was he wanted to do like an area rep version. So where every state has their own rep that's also a franchisee that's in charge of selling the territories in the state, but you're also in charge of managing those locations and making sure they're hitting their goals. And for when I was at Isle of Kickboxing, there was no area rep. So it was like you have 300 franchisees constantly reaching out to you all the time for whatever they need. And that's hard to manage because I don't think a lot of people realize how lean you have to keep a corporate team on franchising because you got to make sure that like you're you're spending on national marketing, you got to make sure that like there there's plenty of money to keep to buy back units and and all of that stuff. So you have to keep it really really lean. And this model makes it easy because now they report to their the state rep, and they bring any concerns problems with that. And now you're just managing fifty state reps instead of a thousand or however many franchisees you're going to have. So that model itself sort of opened my mind up a little bit more. And then we had uh, Adam Sedlick, who's the CEO of UFC Gyms, come and speak at one of our events. And uh, I was I was talking to him, and he he just CEOs different than I've ever seen for like a franchise. Um, I see like if you follow him on Facebook, every day he's at a new location. Like he visits every location, spends tons of FaceTime with them. And uh, I was just having conversations with him, and he's like, "You're young." And he's like, "Don't do it my way." He's like, "Do it the way that you're going to do it." And then uh, he has been so awesome at just giving advice on what to do, what not to do, what mistakes he made, and what he would do different. Um, that that gave me a lot more confidence in sort of going into the franchise world. And then I think I think the other area, just getting from talking to him, is too many franchisors go into it where it's almost like they're trying to butt heads with the franchisees. Like they're so worried about their ego or being right or like making sure that they're the authority that they don't actually like take any feedback or seek feedback from the franchisees. And then uh, a lot of these two, I, I feel like the training is an afterthought for the franchisees. Like this, the systems and support that they get is like very minimal at best. And we, we sort of done the opposite. We built out all the systems. We tested it with our mastermind clients first 
like their first year, the the average from like worst performance top for performance was 144,000 increase in gross revenue. And I was like, and they were probably only doing 20% of the systems, like not even all of them. So we knew that we had a, a much better support system already than 99% of franchises. And then we also know that we're going to invest heavily in making sure the FTD is done right the first time. Because I think a, a lot of people, since they're in startup mode and maybe they don't have funding when they're, they're first launching their franchise, they skip on it. And like um, I was telling you, the last franchise I was a part of, when it, when they got into legal trouble, the, the attorneys they hired were like, I'm like, how much did you spend on this FTD? And they're like 50 grand. And like you, a good FTD costs at least 200 grand. So they're like, that's why everyone's able to poke holes in it. So I think also just making sure that you're covering your bases there and then being fully transparent in the FTD, I think is another part of it. Um, and then like franchise sales is, I think also where a lot of franchises shoot themselves in the foot because they have someone that's highly incentivized to sell a franchise. Like you're going to $20,000 commission for selling this franchise, right? So a lot of times they're going to say whatever the hell they need to say in order to get that commission. Like I've even seen franchises where they're selling the same territory to multiple people just so they can get the commission for, from all of those people, even though it's highly illegal to do. So for us, we're like, we're going to keep franchise sales internal, even if it means that we grow at a little bit slower pace, like we're okay with that because we want to make sure that everything is done by the book and fully transparent for the franchisees. Like so, so much the point that I was like, we are going to have a camera in every franchise pitch that we do that records the entire thing just to make sure there's accountability there for the person doing doing the sale. Um, so all of that combined just gave me much more confidence to go back into the franchise world after not having a so great experience with it in the, in the first place. Nice. Yeah. So there's um, just cause I'm, like I said, I've just been close to some people that have just trying to wing a franchise from the beginning, just cause you know, they're sales and marketers and, and whatnot, not knowing much. I mean, they both know a lot more now, but some of the, um, some of the differences in what, what they did, I would like just to get your opinion on like, um, one did more of a traditional like royalty mo model. The other one did more of a flat fee. Um, what are the pros and cons of each? If there are any, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, we're doing a combination actually. So, um, and we got this from, I think F45 does this if I'm remembering correctly, but, uh, they do like it's a $2,500 fee or X percent royalty, whichever one is more, They're which more means that it incentivizes the, the individual unit operators to grow faster. Because if your gross is 10 grand and you got to pay $2,500 in royalties per month, like Jesus Christ, you're, yeah. you're going to be incentivized to, to increase that revenue. So that way it's less of a percentage going out. So I think that's part of it. And then also, uh, I think if you can be creative with your franchise and find ways to make money in other ways, you don't have to charge as high of a royalty. So like one of the things that we're doing is we're going to own the merchandising company that supplies all the locations. So we can make a, a small percentage on that and then not have to have as high of a royalty as a result of that happening. Um, I, I think there's pros and cons to both. Like we, I've also seen like ILKB was all percentage model royalty, but then you also like, as soon as people get pissed off at the, the parent company, that all of a sudden they have their own credit card machine in the building. So that way the, the parent company isn't seeing those transactions go through and then no royalties being paid. Um, I don't like the flat fee by itself model though, because like we've seen inflation go crazy the last two years like that. And then you have to go back and raise fees or type of new FTD or whatever it is. And it's just, then they feel like they're getting nickel and dimed all the time. So I'd rather yeah. have sort of that either or model. Uh, and then you, hopefully you're gonna have most people leveling up into that, that percentage based model. 
No, for sure. You know, like some of the problems I've seen with the you know fixed fee model is that as a corporate you know headquarters, if you have a flat fee, your goal is to do the least amount to get the most out of that flat fee. Yep. If um you know if if it's on a percentage, then it's on you to train them up and help them get as big as possible. Because then you're going to make you know you're all on the same team. It feels like. Um, so the combination I think is, is great because it helps you in the beginning and it also eliminates, like, it doesn't totally eliminate, but at least for the most part, eliminates the, um, getting that second credit card machine, maybe even going to a different company or whatever. You never know. Like, you know, yeah, I think um, right on though, it, it needs to be a partnership approach from franchisor to franchisee. And I, the, uh, I don't know why franchisors are like, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them are just so like butting heads with their franchise, almost like they're trying to constantly like like a dick measuring contest it's like mm -hmm. no it's like if i'm the franchisor i make more money by making sure my franchisees succeed because if they're making more money so am i so like why wouldn't i take feedback why wouldn't i do everything i can to make sure that they're performing at the best possible because in the end it only benefits the the mom and dad company like common sense i feel like so for sure and uh to, you also mentioned a mastermind and the guys that i know right, they both had masterminds outside of their franchise and inside their franchise um, where some of the uh, franchisees were a little disgruntled because I felt like they were sharing like industry mm -hmm. secrets and stuff like that. So how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like if, you're, if they're paying that percentage, should that include you know like, should you have that higher level mastermind either internally or externally where people are paying extra, or do you think it should be included, or do you think you shouldn't have one that's outside of the franchise? Yeah, I think that's a great question. That's actually something that I've struggled with. I'm like, when we launch this thing as a full franchise, is it are we still going to have our mastermind running? um and i think for me I, the answer is if they're teaching totally different things yes but if if the systems are the same that we're teaching the mastermind then that we're also going to franchisees i think that's fucked up because you have all these people buying into a franchise model but they could have just gone and paid in this mastermind and got something pretty similar um so that's something that we've been wrestling with yeah. for us though the systems are not going to be the same that we're teaching them both um and like everything in the franchise model is just somewhere dialed in and, and like fine-tuned that I don't think is be an issue. Now, for me though, it's also like a an energy and time thing. If I feel like to to manage a franchise is a shit ton of work. Like, and I'm sure you know that. So for me, it's like if I can't have the mental capacity to do both well, then I'm only going to do the one that I think is going to have the best benefit, which is going to be the franchise. So, um, and I'm I'm fine stepping away from other things to put all my energy into the franchise because that's that's sort of the 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 legacy builder. For sure, and then that was that's what I was going to say. That my opinion would be to actually go all in on the franchise because you don't ever want your mastermind people thinking you're keeping, you're not giving them their, your best stuff yep. and you don't want your franchisees thinking you're giving your best stuff to them. Cause it's been, not only are you going to butt heads with your franchisees, they're going to butt heads with like the mastermind, uh, you know, people are going to be feeling like they're missing out on mastermind. People don't think they're missing out and it's going to lose, you know, you're going to lose some trust um, on both sides. There's also like the attention aspect of it. Right. So as soon as things start to, as soon as there's a bad month in the franchise, Everyone's gonna be like, well, why the fuck is he focusing on stuff outside the franchise when we're struggling here, which is exactly what happened at I Love Kickboxing. Like, um, we, we would hear that all the time from from franchisees that were just frustrated. Like, we need the attention. Like, like fuck the martial arts industry. Like, focus on us was yeah. was the the general vibe. Uh, and I, I never want to have to put the franchisees in that position. So if the if the easiest thing at the time to do is just Hey, thanks everyone in the mastermind. Wish you guys the best. We're moving on type of thing. Like whatever. Even I've even seen issues with like an internal one where they had like actual mastermind for franchisees, but it was an extra fee. And then, then the franchise, then the franchisees that, you know, couldn't afford to go, to go exactly. were feeling like they were missing 
you know, like, why are they helping, giving them better information than us? And we're struggling. We can't even afford to join the mastermind and we don't have access to that information or whatever is how they would that feel. No so so <laughs> I, for me, charging, charging the extra fee is like redundant because if you just give them the information and they grow, you're still going to make more money anyway. So why charge an extra fee? Well, they were doing a flat fee, so they wouldn't. Oh, that's, uh, that's why they had to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a shitty model. But it, but it just um, divides the franchisees between the ones that are successful and can afford the mastermind and the ones that aren't there yet. And feeling like they're missing out on the key piece. And the reason they're not successful is because they can't, they're not getting, getting what the mastermind members are. Well, it's funny. Like we, we've had such good success with how we structured the mastermind support that we're like, we're almost treating the franchise like it's going to be a mastermind in a sense. Like, yeah, we give them all the systems and everything, but like, we're going to do weekly calls. We're going to have like in-person meetings that they can fly out to if they want just to get some extra training. And like all of that is just going to be part of the support we provide for their franchise fee. It's not like, yeah, I, I think it's dumb to charge them for more support when they're, they've already bought into your franchise and put their life savings on the line a lot of time. So when, so when somebody has like a, you know, their business and it's doing well and they're thinking about franchising or maybe even like licensing, um, if they were going to go the franchise route, what are some like big things they need to consider as far as like, Legal fees, what are they looking at, you know, to do it right? Like you were saying, 200 grand is for that, you know, FTD. What else are they looking at? You know, they have to register in every single state. Like what are some other things they got to do that they should yeah. be aware of? God. So uh, number one, like focus on the state that you're developing it in first and uh, build out successful corporate models because it'll be so much easier to sell the franchise when you have successful corporate models. Now with corporate models, you're not allowed to share like financials of how they're doing. You're just not allowed to, it's illegal. So what the, but people can figure it out. Like Travis, my, my business partner, when he started going to Orange Theory and wanted to see the model, he would literally sit outside the Orange Theory and count the number of people going in like each day. And there's multiply that by the monthly payments to sort of figure out what the location was doing. So that'll be easy enough to figure out. I think a lot of times franchises launch without like proper proof of concept um, or proven proof of concept where it's like, like for us, we're like, hey, we want these corporate units averaging $75,000 a month with at least a 20% profit margin. Like that's, that's low end. So if we can get our corporate models at that, like it'll be so easy to sell. You just bring someone in, they're going to see it full. They're going to see that you're charging $229 a month. They're going to do the math and be like, well, shit, this, this is a great idea. So I, I think get those corporate locations up. I would say kick ass in one state before you even start thinking about expanding to, to, to other states. God, legal fees are stupid. Like if, if you think your FTD is going to be 200 grand, like that's just one aspect of that. You're going to need the in-house counsel at some point because there's going to be people that violate the, the FTD frequently that you're going to need legal counsel for. Um, so you need to be able to afford that. The other thing to think about too is like the, the first merchandise buyout. Like we just did our first buyout of like just t-shirts, shorts, like boxing gloves, that stuff. Just the first bill for it was 110 grand. It's like, and that, that's for that's just for fulfilling three locations, like three full locations. So it's like, when you start adding all of that up, you need to be aware of that. And if you don't have the money to do it, you need to either find investors or find people to partner with. Uh, luckily, my business partner and I have been planning this for like the last four or five years. So it's like we've been steadily saving and and getting ready for this and leveraging other assets that we have to to make this work. Um, but that, that's gonna be a big part of it. And then I think it, like for us, the systems part was like, we're gonna open up our own locations and test it. And then we were like the mastermind, let's teach some other people the systems and make sure other people can do it too. And it's not just relying on us. So I, I think again, fleshing it fully out to make make it make sense is is super, super important. 
And then I think you also need something unique, like about your franchise. Like what makes it different? If it's just a fitness place, like any other fitness place, like why are people going to buy, buy into it? What's going to make it stand out? Um, cause that's why I, couple... I was going to, uh, I was going to, I was going to stop you there because you're doing yeah. some really, you know, creative stuff. I don't know if you're, if you can talk about it yet or not, but, yeah. um, you know, like orange theory has like, you know, their, you know, their heart rate monitors, the whole like orange theory part of it, you know, at 45, um, uh, everybody has their thing and you, you've come up with like five things that's going to like make you a category of one, um, you know, in the kids martial arts space for one, they're actually learning a martial arts that, that works and it's a mixed martial arts. They're learning yes. ground fighting, standing, Muay Thai, you know, it's a mixed martial arts, uh, type franchise. You're, ha- you're coming up with your own, you know, uh, gi and gear and with like uh, morale patches, like that they can take on and off and earn different types of patches, gamifying it a little bit. So go ahead and tell us more. If you, tell us what you can about it. Cause I, I was blown away by like the four or five different things. That's going to, I think you guys are going to crush it. Yeah. So w- when we're like fleshing the concept out, I, w- I was like, what's the most popular with our age demographic for kids, like eight to 12 year olds, what are they into? So as we did market research on it, we came down to two things, YouTube and video games. Like those were the things that if they had free time, that's what they wanted to spend time doing. So once we had that, and obviously, you know, all about gamification, we're like, all right, well, video games are important. So what do we do to, to really tie this in where parents will back it as well? Cause the last thing parents want their kids doing is screen, anything screen time. Right. Yep. So it's like, well, what if we incorporate it and we actually create a, a gamification system of they earn XP points to earn a belt. So just it relates to Fortnite. It relates to everything else that they play. So now we have a system where they earn XP points through practicing character development skills. So like every month we have a magazine that they get and there's three challenges based on their age group in the back of the magazine that goes along with whatever we're teaching. And what we're teaching them is way different than like the typical respect discipline that most martial arts schools taught. We're teaching them financial literacy. We're teaching them emotional intelligence. We're teaching them time management. It's almost like the same things that you would teach to a mastermind group, but you're doing it like in kid form, which is awesome. And and the, the way that we came up with all these is we just pulled parents and we're like, hey, what is one skill that you wish you learned when you were younger that like if you could go back in time you'd snap your fingers and make it happen and then we took all those answers and we created a curriculum around it to make it work so now like the the missions that they do for life skills they get xp points for every time they attend class they earn xp points um and then uh they earn the belts we completely changed we got rid of all the traditional martial art belts like all of our belts have some sort of like cool pattern like we have um we have one that's sort of like a, a street fighter belt where there's like a little pixelated guy shooting fireballs. Uh, but there's all these cool patterns. So that way it was like skins on a, a gun, like when you play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. So now now kids like have an excitement of like why they want to get the belt. And it's not just like a piece of cloth around their waist anymore. Um, you said there was something, patches- um, yeah, you said there was like something to where like the parents could recognize from like afar. Like you said, like most places, like the parents don't know like which kids are higher or lower, you know, ranking or whatever. Yeah. So like simple, right? Like if, if, it, depending on what martial arts school you go to, the belts are going to be different. They're going to be in yeah. different order. It's confusing as hell. Like when I even walk into our school now that hasn't converted over yet, like parents are like, what, what belt is after this one? So it's like simple as I like, just put a fucking patch on there that says level one, level two, <laughs> level three. So now parents look at the belt and they know exactly where they are in the process of that child moving up to black belt and beyond it makes it simple. We got rid of traditional geese um, for a couple reasons. Number one, like just growing up in martial arts, anytime I had to leave somewhere after martial arts in my, in my gi, I just felt like a moron. Like I felt like I stood out like a sore thumb. And then, uh, I'm sure people were looking at me like as a moron too. So we, we went with like just a very athletic Lululemon type, like uniform, the, the shirt makes them almost look like a superhero the way it's designed. 
uh, it's like very comfortable like shorts or joggers that they wear with it and uh we're like we want them to be able to look like an athlete as soon as they walk out because if you think about martial arts in general with uh, the one exception being sort of like jujitsu and muay thai i think like it's mostly nerdy kids that do martial arts yeah. you don't see the star quarterback doing martial arts you don't see the athletic kid at your school doing martial arts no it's the kid that's getting bullied it's the kid that uh has like mental health issues self-esteem issues like those things which i think martial arts is great for all of those kids but why can't we make it where martial arts actually creates athletes like i think my problem with most martial arts schools is you'll look at a kid that's a white belt you look at him four years later as a black belt his body type hasn't changed at all yeah. how the hell does that happen like <laughs> if that kid did football basketball any other sport you would see physical change happening in their body type and it's like well the curriculum is shit or like they're not actually like how do you Man, I've watched martial arts schools where I watch an hour <laughs> training and no one's sweating. I'm like, how do you train in anything for an hour and not sweat? So uh, part of it was making sure that we are having the, the athlete development side of it going along with everything else. Um, I don't remember what the original question was. I went off sideways so many freaking times. <laughs> uh, the things that you're implementing in your new franchise that's going to create that category of one that you stand oh, yeah. out from the competition. Yeah, and then uh, we're, we just use video game language and things too. So like uh, when you're going up in the belts, you're leveling up. Like uh, we have like the uh the the loot shop is like our, our pro shop uh so we, we try to tie all of that in as much as possible and then one thing that we're going to be adding is uh actually teaming up with like like popular either fighters or influencers to create one-offs of like love designs or like challenges um we have uh got it. we're going to take this crazy right now we have it where uh, one of the walls in the training area is just a giant countdown timer so like, and it's all animated and graphics and stuff. So when they're training, they'll see it like start shaking and stuff and like explosions, all that crazy stuff just yes. to create a different energy in the class. And then we're evolving that to where every single wall will have a projector design on it. So you might walk in one week for class and it looks like the, like the background in Street Fighter. And yeah. then you come in the next week and it's like, like so uh, Spider-Verse New York City type of thing. That's so the curiosity it, incentives, you know, the entertainment incentives and like, for you know, so yeah, but, I mean, you're right on the money with that. Because um, yep. they're going to come in just to see what it is. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just wanted it. I wanted a school where a kid could walk in and just look around and be like, holy shit, I get to be <laughs> here every day. And I, I don't think there's anything out there like this right now. Yeah. So I was like, we need to create that. Like, I want kids walking in, like, being upset if their parent doesn't sign them up. Like, insanely upset. Like, why won't you sign me up? Like, I need to be here type of thing. And I, I think part of it is just that first impression when they walk in. Nice. Yeah, man, it's awesome, man. Every time I talk to you, you've got like, the best ideas of, uh, you know, creating that category of one. It's going to set you guys apart, and I'm excited to see you guys uh, launch and grow, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, me too. Now we just got to execute all that. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're, uh, if anybody can do it, it's you, man. So, I appreciate um, it. just want to thank you for being on the show. If there's anything you want to yeah. leave you know, my followers with, the floor is yours. Let them know like where to find you, where they can reach out to you if they have any questions on franchising, marketing, or, or whatnot. And, yeah, again, and just, I, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, all social media platforms are just Adam Kiefer, K-I-F-E-R. Um, if you guys need anything, have any questions about anything, I'm always, I answer all of my own messaging still to this day. So just feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to chat. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you, man. We're unstoppable to the top. We about to go. That CEO, I need to know the impact. We about to grow. Competition, comical. Straight A1, we on the road. Money focused for the goal. Tell them what they need to yeah, know. Yeah, we unstoppable.